Each year, it is my privilege to produce for you more than 200 Cato Daily podcasts featuring Cato scholars, outside experts, journalists, lawmakers, and others with interesting things to say. And at Cato, we accept no government money. We are entirely funded by private citizens and organizations. That means both Cato and the Cato Daily Podcast are completely dependent on your support. To keep the Cato Daily Podcast strong and growing, we've launched a new podcast sponsor program for this holiday season. Any and all donations to support the podcast are most appreciated, but at the $1,000 level of support, you'll become a Cato patron sponsor, which means you'll receive all the benefits of patron sponsorship. Additionally, unless you object, I'll personally thank you on the podcast. Cato is a 501c3 charitable organization, which means that your gift is tax-deductible to the fullest extent allowed by law. To learn more, visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 1st, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Creating a more robust response to attempts by foreign governments to influence voters and destabilize American institutions using social media, well, that largely requires individuals to smarten up and quit falling for it. It's no shortcut, but many of the other options on the table smack of censorship. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Fleming Rose comments. There is something that uh, Cato's foreign policy scholars uh, repeat quite often uh, when it comes to the issue of terrorism specifically. They warn against trying to make terrorists seem like this uh, phantom specter that can pop up at any moment and are deserving of some sort of special treatment with regard to U, uh, United States institutions, creating special courts, sending them to special jails. And in other words, the, the idea that because they're engaged in a specific type of uh, motivation, uh, that their destruction is deserving of special treatment. And it seems like there's a parallel with respect to the interference of Russia uh, in the U.S. election, I, I, it, to, I mean, to call it interference is one thing, but it was an attempt to unduly influence voters, at the very least, uh, using social media tools that have been around for not maybe not that long, but tools that uh, seem fairly innocuous at first. And do you think that that this kind of interference is deserving of some sort of special treatment by our institutions? Well, I I think there are two issues here, and I I buy into your uh, analogy uh, in the sense that uh, I believe, as somebody who has you know, I lived in Russia for twelve years. I was a correspondent there for many years. I still go there every now and then, and I'm very critical of the uh, of the Putin regime. And I I it's it's an authoritarian regime, and it's you know, modernization have been on hold more or less since 2012 when Putin returned to the presidency. Um, but uh, it's a question of proportions. Uh, and, in that, and in that sense, I think uh, 
when you talk to people, you know, to 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 pro democracy liberal people in Moscow and in Russia, they will say to you, you know, you are doing exactly what the Kremlin wants, because you are creating an image of uh, Mr. Putin, and the Kremlin as some kind of master geopolitical genius who, with the help of uh, hackers and bots, uh, and um, political ads on Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter are able to uh, almost, you know, put the most powerful country on it on its knees. Um, uh, but that's not the case, they say. I mean, uh, the, the, the Kremlin is not that kind of organized uh, political machine. It's divided uh, Uh, and and there are many problems they're not able to solve on on uh, on the domestic scene. So 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 why are you creating this Superman image of uh, Mr. Putin? And in that sense, there is an analogy with what you said. I think about the uh, the terrorist. The other question is um, the uh, the way Russia or Kremlin affiliated. Uh, institutions in Russia have been meddling in the, the U.S. election. And, and even though we haven't seen, I mean, we've seen these ads, but but uh, as far as I understand, those ads were bought for $100,000 out of a total budget uh, for the political circle uh, in the U.S. in 2016. I think it amounts to $1.4 billion dollars. One hundred thousand dollars is not that much uh, in 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 this context. So 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 uh, the question is, you know, how how influential? I mean, how much how much influence uh, did the Russians in fact have? Um, uh, if they, I mean, I, I I think it's fair to say that there was meddling, but uh, but the question is, you know, how. How how much of a difference uh, did it make? And I think uh, here also uh, the U.S. Me media tend to exaggerate because it's all about Trump. It's not about uh, uh, Russia, and it's very difficult for a lot of American liberals to accept that Mr. Trump is a product of American life. Uh, so they want to turn him into a creation of Russia. Uh, Even if uh, the, let's say, purchasing ads or having uh, various trolls and bots on social media outlets – even if it was effective and we could draw a straight line between those that type of advertising and that type of boosting certain messages and not others, if even if we could draw a straight line between that and the election result, it seems that uh, we would still be taking the wrong – and our reaction was the same. Uh, it seems that that's just a – just following the wrong – Going along the wrong path yes, to I deal with it. I, I think the way to deal with it is to educate ourselves about how to uh, how 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 not to be vulnerable to uh, emotional and cognitive manipulation, and and that's a question of the education system in in the U.S. Uh, it's also I mean what what the Russians did where they were they were exploiting. Uh, existing narratives, and they they were exploiting 
this uh, tribalization that is going on in American political life, and that has nothing to do with Russia in and by itself. It's 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 a product of uh, American culture, American political life, and and you're also right, I think, in the sense. Uh, you know, there is this old notion, whataboutism, that every time you criticize Russia for something, then you will find uh, a similar feature in the U.S., even though there is no, no moral equivalence. And I, I'm not playing that game, but but it, I, I think it's fair to say the United States have meddled uh, and interfered in a lot of elections around the world uh, for, you know, the past many, many decades. Uh, they may have done it in, in a more open way, but but uh, usually they take sides and, uh, and they provide money uh, through uh, government-affiliated uh, or government-supported uh, NGOs uh, to support the good guys. Uh, so there is a little bit of a hypocrisy in the sense that, uh, you know, if you ask the Russians, they will say, why are you so upset? We are just doing what you have been doing for for several decades. Again, without making a moral equivalence, uh, uh, because I think the United States, when the United States do these things, uh, they support generally good guys and they do it in a more open way maybe, but it's still a kind of interference and meddling seen from the point of view of, uh, of the country in, in, in which uh, uni the United States uh, is meddling. And you say that uh, the response to either ban ads or Google recently announced that they would be de-ranking some websites, which is to say push the results from certain websites down in their algorithm. And they're, they're free to do that to the extent they're not being uh, coerced to do it by our government. Um, it's about Russia Today, RT. And, and I think that is a perfect example uh, of what we're talking about. I mean, RT Russia Today is a Russian government English language TV station that can be watched, uh, you know, all over the world in hotels and things like that. And and in the uh, in the American intelligence report on Russian interference, I think it was released in January 2017. I think it's nine pages out of 21 that is devoted to RT. But where and and they talk about how influential this propaganda uh, organ is. But if you if you pin down the figures, then it turns out that very few people, in fact, watch RT. I think uh, Nielsen's ratings that they did a list of of the 94 most popular news shows on U.S. television in 2016. And uh, RT was uh, not among them. It means that they have a share around 0.1%. Uh, and then uh, uh, U.S. intelligence uh, services say, well, but they are very visible on YouTube. They have a million uh, um, uh, views per day. But then when you go in and look at uh, the videos RT has on YouTube, they are all not produced by RT. The, the vast majority are not produced by RT. And they are, you know, it's videos that they buy when you have uh, a, a, a disaster somewhere. Uh, uh, sensational events that uh, looks good on television, but they have nothing to do with politics. And they only had one 
political video in the top 15 on YouTube, and that was Mr. Putin singing Blueberry Hill at a party in the Kremlin. <laughs> so the response that you offer is educate ourselves, make ourselves less susceptible to uh, these messages of the moment that uh, are, are designed essentially to inflame our passions against or for this or that, but that's not a uh, that's not particularly tangible. And I think what it is. Americans it what is. Americans are looking for is something that is, uh, I guess, a shortcut back to the good old days, however defined. Yeah, but they are never. I mean, they are never going to come back. Uh, we we live in a time of uh, technological deep disruption, and the digital technology in many ways is very different. Disruptive, but it's not going to go away. So, uh, but we are illiterate in many ways when it comes to our ability to cope with that technology. Um, uh, we, I mean, you you can do some very simple things when it comes to the distribution or dissemination of fake news. Uh, uh, you can learn how to um, to find the source of the information you're looking at. You know, what is the website, who is writing, uh, where does it originate, uh, who is behind this information, uh, are there links to sources in what you are reading, and so on and so forth, which is the basic of uh, the fundamentals of uh, the ability to, of, of critical thinking. Uh, and, and, and we also have to learn more about our emotional and cognitive biases and we have to learn in school how to overcome them or learn how we easily get subjected to these kinds of um, of uh, uh, biases what are some of the the policy responses that you've seen to uh, this this spending and advertising by uh, Russia on social media, what are some of the the proposals you've seen that are particularly troubling in the West or in uh, uh, the United in, States? In, in, in the United States, well, United States, uh, I think, uh, I mean, it's more talk. I'm more concerned about proposals in the European Union. Uh, Germany has already passed a law um, uh, criminalizing dissemination of fake of so-called fake news uh, false information on social media and uh, social media are obliged to take down uh, illegal material that it is called within 24 hours if it's very serious uh, and at some point they risk to be fined up to 50 million euros if they do not comply. Um, I think this intimidate the whole tech, the whole the whole di di digital uh, sector uh, because you don't want to get into that situation whether whether you in the end will not get a fine or not. You will you will try to lower the bar, and it's better to take things off even even though you may you may believe they are. Uh, illegal, but you're not sure uh, not to get into trouble. Um, and the, because Germany is the most powerful country in Europe, they are also pressuring, putting pressure on the European Union to uh, to take steps to, uh, to that effect. Um, and I think that is a, 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 a real risk to, uh, to freedom of expression online in, uh, in Germany and Europe. 
And and another thing is, in fact, in the, the, the German law is extraterritorial, which means that uh, they can criminalize uh, information that is not uh, uh, published in Germany if it's accessible by Germans. Fleming Rose is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and the 2016 recipient of the Milton Friedman Prize for Advancing Liberty. This holiday season, support the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor. Learn more of the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.